Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. This is VoiceAmericaKids.com. It's time for Speaking of Sports, your weekly look inside at the stats, scores, opinions, and facts from a kid's point of view. You can't miss one moment of the action going on in the next hour. Now, here's your host. Welcome to the program, Speaking of Sports, on Voice America Kids Network. I'm Fabian. And I'm Jason. And today we're talking about the NHL Stanley Cup Finals, the NBA Finals, how MLB season's shaping up so far, and also we're doing our sport, and Sports segment with Arkansas this week. Uh, definitely a lot of interesting things to cover here. We got finals going on in two sports, as you mentioned. Um, we're going to kick things off here with the NHL finals. Great game one last night. A huge game between Vancouver and uh, Boston going on here. Um, and, you know, this is kind of the dream matchup. I understand that these aren't exactly the two most fan-recognizable teams in the NHL. Obviously, the NHL's fan recognition as a whole was kind of hurt when Sidney Crosby went down earlier this year. Um, but as far as East versus West, really the two teams that kind of deserve it the most have played the best hockey. Seems to be these two teams, and they just delivered an outstanding game one. Um, talk about great goalie play from both sides and just a big-time goal at the end for Vancouver. Yeah, you would expect, especially with as many power plays as there were throughout the game, you would expect, especially pa- Boston with how its power play hasn't, especially its penalty kill hasn't been living up to its standards thus far earlier these playoffs. And compared to Vancouver, who's had a phenomenal playoffs when it comes to power plays, 28 power play goals, I believe, up until game one. I would expect Vancouver maybe jump on those opportunities early. Of course, there were numerous shots on net for each side. And, of course, you have to give credit to each penalty kill. And, of course, the goalkeepers, uh, Luongo and Tim Thomas, both played excellently. Uh, definitely. Big-time goal play from two big-time goalies, as you mentioned. Uh, Roberto Luongo, for those of our fans who uh, aren't as into hockey, he's almost the Alex Rodriguez of the NHL. And this is a guy, tons of talent, huge-time performers, one of the best goalies to ever play the game. But there's always kind of those yeah buts about him. There always seem to be those problems, those times when he didn't come up big. Um, he's almost got, you know, he's kind of a big-time up-and-down player. Sometimes he's dominant, sometimes he struggles. And it was good to see him come out with a shutout in Game 1, really set the tone, um, not just for his team, but also for him personally, the way that he hopes to perform for the rest of this series. Um, and then we look at Tim Thomas for the Bruins, and he's kind of had a similar run this playoffs to a Luongo run that he's been untouchable in some games, um, going back to Tampa Bay, to them playing Tampa Bay in the conference finals. Um, but it seemed like every other game he would almost struggle a little bit. So that's definitely an interesting dynamic. Either goalie could have an off night, but neither guy did last night. Yeah, it was a very good game to watch, especially since both keepers were able to make lots of saves. So as I said before, there were lots of shots on net. And of course, unfortunately, it was what Thomas thought would be an attempted shot on net, which resulted in the goal coming with thir- 19 seconds remaining in the third period with a great cross-ice pass that was luckily able to be finished by Torres. Uh, yeah, a spectacular pass there. Uh, maybe a deflection, you know, a little bit of a contact by Thomas. A spectacular pass. Thomas, he likes to play a bit further out than most goalies. Usually that's a strength for him. He's able to cut down passing lanes. But there's a way you've got to be able to take advantage of that. And this Vancouver team, they're a really crisp team. They make big-time passes 
like we saw there. And that's what they were able to do is take advantage of that. Um, what's surprising, though, is all these power play opportunities, like you mentioned. Uh, both teams actually went 0 for 6. Uh, Vancouver was one of the better special teams in all of hockey, um, but still unable to capitalize. Both teams doing a spectacular job penalty killing, as you mentioned, and it wound up being just a huge play and a big time, a great pass, uh, exploiting the one weakness of Tim Thomas for the even handed goal at the end of the game. Yeah, and also I think Vancouver, I think. As many experts have said, I do also believe this because Vancouver is definitely the front runner in this Stanley Cup Finals. I was lucky enough to able to see him play play earlier this season. They were phenomenal. They were a great skating team. Worked hard up and down the ice. They were a great defensive team. And when they were on offense, the puck just kept moving freely. They it just looked free-flowing and an enjoyable game to watch, especially when you're watching such a great team like Vancouver, when you have three phenomenal players, such as the Sedin Twins and, of course, Ryan Kessler. Uh, definitely. A big-time skating team, a very fluid team, as you mentioned, and that allowed for the crisp passing that they can do. That's what allowed for the goal. That's what set up the big shot. Um, but in all honesty, as you mentioned, Vancouver's supposed to be the favorite. I personally feel if the games continue to go this way, I like Boston's chances. You know, we talk about neither team being able to capitalize on the power play. Well, Vancouver's the team who's supposed to be able to win those power plays. So if neither team's doing anything with them, I kind of like Boston being able to go five-on-five five with Vancouver. And also tons of penalties in this game. Um, it looks like we had six for Vancouver, seven for Boston, um, including a double minor for Vancouver. So even penalty minutes for each team. Um, 14 for each team. Um, you know, the physical game, I kind of like Boston's chances in that too. They're really good at taking on that underdog mentality against Vancouver. It seems to be what they're going to do, kind of an us-against-the-world mentality with a lot of the media picking Vancouver. And, you know, I kind of like their chances. In fact, I'm going to outright pick Boston. As long as they can keep the pace going this way, uh, keep killing the penalties, stop Vancouver from taking advantage of their outstanding special teams, if they keep it 5-on-5, five five, I think Boston's got a good chance. I still think it's Vancouver, though. That team is just stacked from top to bottom. They got great, great defensemen and lots of great goals this these playoffs. Hasn't necessarily been from the Sedin Twins and Kessler. They've been involved, but always it seems like every 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 different night, it's been a different guy that's been able to step up and make that big play for Vancouver. And sometimes I think that in these playoffs, Boston's looked kind of shaky, especially when it comes to these clutch moments, like we saw in Game One. They had an opportunity if they could just play a little bit more of lockdown defense, could send it to the overtime, which maybe would give them a better chance to win. But of course, giving up the late goal, which of course results in the one nothing loss in game one. Uh, definitely. And going on to the future, um, Game 2 is on Saturday at Vancouver, by the way. Um, you Like you mentioned, Boston's looked shaky at times, and that's been when Thomas has looked shaky. Those couple of bad games for Thomas against Tampa Bay, um, he kind of can't afford those against Vancouver. Because against Tampa Bay, when Thomas was shutting down the Tampa Bay offense, um, Tampa Bay really couldn't beat Boston. Whereas Vancouver, if Thomas has a shutdown game like he had in Game 1, Luongo can just as easily have a completely shutdown game and just you know kind of leave it up almost to the luck of the draw or maybe just Vancouver's superior talent um, as you mentioned the Sedin twins haven't really been doing a ton in the playoffs they're two of the best players in the league 
And if they can kind of get it going in this uh, final series, then that could be a huge impact for Vancouver as well. Because, you know, every uh, a new guy stepping up every night, uh, that works a lot during the regular season, certainly, and during the playoff runs. But during the finals, when we kind of expect both goalies to really be able to bear down, we're really expecting Thomas to not have those off nights. Same thing with Luongo, who can be so far down or so dominant. Um, it's really going to be those star players who can make the big difference. Yes, especially Kessler. I noticed he played very well tonight, I believe. He helped create lots of opportunities for Vancouver. And, of course, he set up the pass. I mean, he made the pass, which set up the assists for the goal but to uh, Torres with 19 seconds remaining. It was really He's been one of those guys that really puts that extra effort, especially on defense, but also... When he has a puck, he's dangerous. Definitely. Dangerous skater, big-time passing, as you mentioned, the huge pass in Game 1. Um, and as you mentioned, defense is what we're seeing. We're almost seeing mirrors, it seems, in the two final series we're dealing with right now, in the NBA Finals and the NHL Finals, is even though Vancouver is, as you mentioned, this really free-skating team, they're really smooth, make crisp passes, they're really, w- they're really willing to bear down on defense in the way that we've seen these NBA teams do as well. Um, so that's kind of a good comparison, I feel, for uh, some of our fans who might not actively follow the NHL, is that Vancouver kind of functions like one of these... Um, one of these high-scoring teams, one of these Western Conference teams almost, who's supposed to just be able to do it with finesse. But when push comes to shove, playoff times, they're willing to lock it down and grind it out on D. Yeah, I believe it. I think that this will be a very physical playoff series. You saw in Game 1, there was numerous, numerous fights breaking out, and it really, the referees are going to have to have their work cutting out, cut out for them trying to keep this game clean, not too much bloodshed. Uh, definitely, and I think if Vancouver doesn't get intimidated by that aggression, by Boston's physicality, um, that gives them a good chance to do it. I'm just not so sure that they will. I think if the game stays as physical as they were in Game 1, uh, that's why I like Boston's chances. I think my overall prediction, I'm taking Boston in 7. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to take Vancouver in 6. It's got, It's been a great series so far. We've only seen one game. Remember, Game 2 is on Saturday at Vancouver, and then we'll be taking it back to Boston. A great Game 1. We'll see, hopefully, the rest of these games live up to that billing. Yes, and we're going to take a break. I'm Fabian. And I'm Jason. Keep it right here. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Stay connected. Sign up for our newsletter. Go beyond your favorite Voice America shows. Visit iradioblog.com. Kids these days are so connected to the media that they can't help but be surrounded by news and politics. Today's kids get more information than kids of past generations, and because of that, they have more informed opinions. Kids today may not be able to vote yet, but they can certainly influence voters and issues with their voices. Tune in every week for America Today and talk about the issues and influence the decision makers. America Today airs every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us support. 
Behind the Line is all about the inside of sports from a kid's point of view. This is a look at all of the action from Behind the Line. Join your host every Wednesday at 3 p.m. whether you're a kid or was a kid at some time in your life. We'll run down all of the scores, talk about the games of the past week, and preview what's coming up in the next week. You'll want to take notes because this is good stuff. The place to be Wednesdays at 3. That's 6 p.m. Eastern is the Voice America Kids channel for Behind the Line. Want to laugh yourself silly over the crazy happenings of the celeb world and beyond? Tune in to Behind the Mask on Voice America Kids. Your hosts will uncover the celebrities you know and love, along with some that you might not know in this country, but they are admired across the world. But it's not just the famous that need to look out. We'll look inside the music biz, stage, and of course, the big screen. Listen to Behind the Mask every Thursday at 8 p.m. on Broadway and 5 p.m. Hollywood side on the Voice America Kids channel. You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Now, back into the action. Thank you, and welcome back to the program, Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. I'm Jason. I'm Fabian. And right now we're going to be covering the NBA. Uh, We've got a lot going on in the NBA. We've got, obviously, the NBA Finals in full swing. Game 3 coming up. Uh, we'll have our preview of that. And also some uh, big-time news around the NBA with, of course, Shaquille O'Neal's retirement. And a bit earlier in the week, uh, Scottie Pippen's very controversial comments that LeBron James is actually a better player than Michael Jordan. Um, so we're going to kick things off, actually, with the finals preview. Uh, we've had very interesting finals so far, two big-time teams. Um, I think inarguably, you can argue maybe Chicago, but pretty much at least definitely two of the top three teams all season in the NBA um, with Miami and Dallas, and huge superstar players, and it's been an interesting one. Uh, Fabian, what do you like going forward? Um, I think what I saw with Miami, especially in Game 1, was – that they definitely have the best perimeter defense I've seen in the league. You could argue Bulls have great defense, but obviously Miami was able to figure out the Bulls' defense. But still, Miami's defense was phenomenal. And the Miami team, because of that big three, can do one thing that pretty much no other team, maybe the Mavericks, if they get really lucky, can do, which is go on that huge run, which is... They have the great defense to make those stops, and then they have the probably three of the best players in the NBA that can help, and also some great role players that can help finish off those runs and make those great long stretching out long runs, like we saw earlier in this playoffs when he had that huge twelve nothing run, where they were just phenomenal down the stretch. My Mavericks could possibly do that, especially when the three point shooting gets hot, like we saw in that series against Lakers. But it's not as likely to happen than it, uh, than it will be for the Heat. Definitely. And I think when you look at what I always think about the NBA playoffs is that the playoffs are about defense and superstars. And that during the regular season, nobody really plays defense in the NBA. At least not to the full extent that they can. Everybody's saving their energy at least a little bit. Um, and in the playoffs, everybody's playing full out on defense. Everybody's going for every single stop. And a lot of the times, the role players really can't do anything, at least not on their own. And it really takes a superstar to be able to break open those defense, um, sometimes to score and sometimes to set up somebody else, set up one of these role players. And that's where the Heat have the advantage, is the Heat are the better defensive team, um, as you mentioned, Fabian, possibly the best defensive team in the league. And superstars, they've got inarguably two of the biggest superstars in the NBA with LeBron James and Dwayne Wade, uh, whereas Dallas really only has one true superstar, Dirk Nowitzki. 
But yeah, again, Dirk Nowitzki, we've seen these playoffs, can do enough for two people. We've seen, especially in that Chicago series, which even though I feel it might be a fluke for Dwayne Wade, it still could be possible. We've seen sometimes in these playoffs and during the season where he's had these stretches where he just isn't quite there. He's he's one of those players, not traditionally a great jump shooter. He relies on getting to the hoop and getting those buckets to help him get in that rhythm to help improve that jump shooting ability. And we've seen these playoffs and sometimes during the season where he just can't get to the hoop and he is unable to get in that rhythm and he's just sometimes just out of the game, taken out of the game, or sometimes his defense starts to lack because of that, and it really starts to hurt the team. Uh, definitely. Wade has shown that he can be, uh, not so much that he can really be stopped, but that he can stop himself. Some nights he just doesn't have it. Uh, and Wade, kind of an injury-prone guy throughout his career, and he's looked a bit more banged up than most of the other superstars in these playoffs. Um, but I think the advantage still goes to Miami there in that LeBron has shown there's been no letting off for LeBron. He's looked unstoppable every time they've needed him to, um, closing out every game. When Wade hasn't been there, LeBron's been fine with it being all him to close out the game. And where Wade has been there, like you mentioned, that big 12-0 run to beat the Bulls when the Bulls were up 12 with like two and a half minutes to play. Um, LeBron's been happy trading baskets with uh, Wade. In that run in particular, Wade drove to the hoop, then LeBron pull up three, then the Wade spectacular four-point play, and then LeBron pull up three, and it's all tied up. Um, and the one advan- the other advantage LeBron brings to them, in addition to seeming like an unstoppable superstar, um, as you mentioned, Dirk has also seemed like that, is that LeBron on defense has become as much of a defensive weapon as pretty much anybody in the league, and that LeBron kind of proved in that Chicago series that you can put him on anyone. You can put him just straight up on the opposing team's best player, in um you know in winning time late in the fourth quarter and LeBron would just take that player out of the equation. Um, Derrick Rose, there's that one game I think it was Game Five in the Chicago series. Rose won one for twelve against LeBron. This is one of the best scorers, the MVP of the NBA. LeBron just totally took him out of it. Um, it'll be interesting to see who they put him on. You know, Jason Terry in Game One. There's talks about LeBron guarding Dirk. Who the Heat will choose to kind of take out of the game for Dallas. Yeah, and also in that situation, I think they should probably go for Dirk because Bosch has proven he's not as good of a defender. So you want probably LeBron in there. And also, you kind of want Dwayne Wade, who's a great defender himself, on Jason Terry. He matches up better size and quickness-wise, even though LeBron does have great size and quickness. But still, it's I believe it'll be better if LeBron's on Dirk and you see Dwayne Wade on... Uh, on, of course, Jason Terry. And when it comes down to crunch time, when you really need that defense, maybe bring in Mario Chalmers, who's a great defender, and have him play kid. Uh, definitely. There are other lockdown defenders on Miami, like you mentioned, that great perimeter D. That doesn't just come from LeBron. Uh, Mario Chalmers absolutely locked down. And Dwayne Wade, as you mentioned, spectacular shot blocker from the shooting guard position. I've been impressed in this playoffs with his ability to deny shots. Um, so, yeah, I think it's still really advantage Miami in this one. Um, Miami, as I mentioned, they've got the two superstars going on, and Bosch, who has proven in that Chicago series that periodically he can play like one of the top elite players in the NBA. Um, he can't do it every night like LeBron has, um, but he can go off for 30 when he needs to. Um, so I think that's what really gives Miami the edge, is maybe not so much the big three, but almost you know their defensive ability is really what sets them apart and what's proven to serve them best in this postseason. Yeah, and also I think maybe right now we should maybe move on to our next part of the segment, which would be, of course, moving on with how 
the NBA is really with Shaq's retirement, of course, coming later. I mean, earlier this week coming in, this kind of does tie in a bit with the final series because remember Shaq was on that Heat team that did beat the Mavs in 06, and it probably it was a big deal, especially for that Celtics team that really needed him down the stretch, and he wasn't quite there. Remember playing only five minutes, not including the playoffs after the All Star break, of course, unable to play in the playoffs until the second round, and even then he wasn't fully healthy. Uh, exactly. So Shaq obviously tailed off at the end of his career. Anyone would. It was an 18-year career for Shaq, and 18 years for a guy that big for a seven-foot-one, 300-pounder. That's that's impressive that his body could hold up as well as it did. Um, but Shaq truly one of the great players, not just of this generation, but of all time. Shaq one of the all-time greats at that center position. Um, whether it was early on in Orlando or in L.A., where most people recognize him for the three-peat, of course, um, that was Shaq's team. I know some of our younger viewers might not, or listeners might not particularly remember that three-peat, um, but just because Kobe was a great player on that team, that was absolutely Shaq's team. He was the guy. Um, and then in Miami, as you mentioned, beating the Mavericks, he was instrumental on that team. Obviously, Dwayne Wade, it was his team. He was the finals MVP. It was spectacular, but Shaq was the clear second option, a huge impact there. Um, that's really when the talk came about about Dirk Nowitzki maybe being soft was because Shaq just so out-toughed him um, in that NBA Finals. Shaq, one of the best players to ever play the game and one of the top centers ever, certainly. Yeah, especially when it comes down to scoring. When you think of scoring centers, you don't see that many names come up because more usually the, def- the center position is more of a defensive-minded position where you're trying just trying to lock down that post and prevent players from driving to the lane. But you've seen some players, so you can compare him to maybe not as high of ranks, but near the names of Wilt Chamberlain and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who were phenomenal players who could score and and also won numerous championships. And another similarity is that all three happened to play with the Lakers. Uh, exactly. And I'm not sure if I would even put that maybe not as high um, disclaimer in there. Um, obviously, I'm not old enough to have witnessed Kareem or Wilt play, but Shaq is as big time of a scorer as uh, there's been in the NBA in this day and age. Um, what's funny about Shaq is he had this dynamic offense despite not having any any form of real game outside of that real close to the basket position. Um, obviously, he had his strength to work with, and his strength and his size was enough to win battles early in his career, certainly. But he had a huge post offense. Um, you know, people talk about with Dwight Howard, what he's working on developing is that post offense. And what they're talking about is those post moves, that ability to get by your defender into the hoop, or just push your defender behind the hoop and score that way. And Shaq had a dynamic set of skills in the post that allowed him to beat everybody using that in his strength. And of course, I think what's most underrated about Shaq is his amazing great passing ability one of the better passing centers of all time too and also i think imagine how good shaq and how many points he would have averaged if he was actually even an average free throw shooter because he was renowned as one of the worst in the nba when it comes to free throw shooting which is why the hack of shaq came around and he went to the line so many times during his career it's still amazing how many points he would have averaged if he was at least a decent free throw shooter Definitely. Shaq, certainly one of the all-time greats, finishing a great career. Uh, So now let's take a break. I'm Jason. I'm Fabian. Keep it right here. You're listening to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids.
We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you believe in the supernatural? Well, some do and some don't, which is why Beyond the Third Dimension looks at both sides. You have one host who believes in ghosts, while the other can't think of anything more ridiculous. Put them together and you get some great discussion and some real discoveries and exploration of the paranormal, and then some. Tune in to Beyond the Third Dimension, airing Tuesdays at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. And try not to be afraid of things that go bump in the night. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Kids face very tough and very real issues every single day. It can be bad. It can be ugly. Now there's something good that can help. Tune in to The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll discuss the issues and provide solutions and connections to solutions that you will be able to use. Our show goes right to the heart of today's kids and beyond. Your parents will probably want to listen in, too. The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly airs Mondays at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 Eastern on Voice America Kids. You just love your pets. But sometimes they can get to be a handful. And just when you think you have them under control, that's when things get, well, crazy. For help, tune into Paul's Around the World. You'll get the inside secrets on keeping your pet the friend it's supposed to be, along with stories to keep you warm and fuzzy. Listen Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Kids. You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Now, back into the action. Welcome to the program, Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids Network. I'm Fabian. And I'm Jason. And right now we're talking about the current progress of this Major League Baseball season. If you'd like to email the show, send it to voiceamericakids at yahoo.com. Make sure to mention my name, Fabian. Or my name, Jason. And mention the name of our show, which is Speaking of Sports. Tell us something or ask us questions that we can mention or answer on the air. So now we're talking about Major League Baseball, how its season has progressed thus far. Who do you think are the two surprise teams that you think in the NBA, in the MLB? Um, well, I think the number one surprise team right now has to absolutely be Cleveland. Uh, I mean, nobody really expected the Indians to do much of anything except for lose. Um, this has been a real downtrodden franchise um, who's seen a lot of good players kind of walk through their doors recently. Obviously, they could have a huge one-two punch in the pitching staff if they still had CeCe Sabathia and Cliff Lee, um, guys who have been Young candidates and winners in Cleveland uniforms who just left for greener pastures. And then on a hitting front, Grady Sizemore and Travis Hafner were both supposed to be the next big thing. Sizemore as a five-tool player kind of center fielder, and Hafner as a monster power threat. And injuries have really 
completely destroyed those guys' careers almost. Um, so with some help from those two, although they've been back on the injured list again, um, Cleveland's really been able to get it going behind a lot the um, great play of his dribble Cabrera at shortstop. Um, big play from everyone in the in the field and you know at the plate. They've been hitting well even, and of course an electric rotation that seems to have come out of nowhere. Yeah, this young pitching rotation I think could be possibly one of the top in baseball because you got Masterson, you got Tomlin, Carmona has improved a little bit, and also of course when it comes to fielding, of course you can't forget who we mentioned a couple of shows back, one of those unprecedented five tool players when it comes down to Sinsu Chu who, although has gone down to a slow start this season, has really might be the player that can help push these Indians over the top and maybe get some serious talk into the playoff race. But also I think another team is not necessarily in the month of April. In the month of April, they're solid, but in the month of May, that really just came out in surprise. I think almost everyone in the league, because they're expected to be either last in the NL West or second last in the NL West. And since May, since May of 2008, have had the worst record in Major League Baseball. It's been the Arizona Diamondbacks. Definitely, I'm certainly surprised by this team. Um, like you said, uh, I like many expect them to finish maybe second to last in the NL West because the Padres trade away their entire offense. Um, Adrian Gonzalez. Um, but yeah, the Diamondbacks, they've been electric. Uh, their pitching staff is much improved. There's a lot of talent in there. Ian Kennedy, the acquisition um, from the Yankees, who pretty much looked scared in most of his outings with the Yankees, was afraid to throw pitches that hitters could possibly hit, wound up walking a lot of people. He's looked really solid. They've got a good rotation going. Um, that bullpen that was like the worst in baseball history maybe last year really improved. They've got one of the more solid bullpens in baseball, and they're hitting well. They're not striking out a ton. I mean, you know, there are always going to be guys on that team who strike out, like Justin Upton, um, but they're not striking out so much that's hurting them too much at the plate, and they've just really been solid in every aspect, which could be enough to win the NL West with Colorado and San Francisco sustaining some bad injuries. Yes, I think the D-backs, especially with that young pitching staff, we saw Daniel Hudson last year was phenomenal down the stretch. We've seen some flashes of that this season, and the same thing also with the rest of that pitching staff. Joe Saunders came off to a slow start, but he start, you've seen he's starting to improve and come back to that form in the 120 games a couple years back. And, of course, you can also talk about the back end of that pitching staff, which has really been underrated, and it's been lots of solid outings. We've seen Zach Duke starting to come back into the rotation. And also looking at this young lineup, they've added a lot of veterans. Kevin Towers' presence has really been felt in Arizona because you got guys like Willie Bloomquist who started the year phenomenally, Xavier Nady, and all kinds of guys who are really just making big impacts. Ryan Roberts has been one of the key leaders for this team. And also, Kelly Johnson, who came started out slow, has really come out and really established himself as a leader. And Justin Upton has really stepped up. And I think he's going to have a big year for this team. And also, I think Kirk Gibson has really had a great impact on this team ever since he took over for A.J. Hinge. He's, this team has just looked better. It's looked like a, te- a baseball team, one of those old-style baseball teams. And you think that one thing that you realize compared to last year, last year sometimes D-backs were, the game, were out of the game by the third inning. Now, you know, they're always in the game. Like a recent game was they were down 4 nothing, five innings, they score every single inning afterwards to help win the game in a walk-off fashion. And just they're finding numerous different ways to win. They win by pitching. They win by phenomenal offense. They win by defense. Their defense has been much improved as well. 
And Juan Miranda, I think, has really been the solution at the end of the first base. Maybe thought maybe it could be Xnady, who has been good job platooning at first base in the outfield, or maybe Russell Brannion, who was solid, but they released him, and now he's with the Angels. Juan Miranda has really caught fire and has been one of the unsung heroes for this Diamondbacks team, along with the of the presence of Ryan Roberts taking over that pretty much taking over that th- starting third baseman job for Melvin Moore who went off to a slow start. Definitely. I agree with a lot of points you made there, Fabian. Um, first of all, yeah, I agree. Kirk Gibson doing a great job as a manager. I feel as if the Diamondbacks really made a huge upgrade at manager. Um, A.J. Hinch just had a hard time really getting that team to fight for him. I feel like they went from a guy who was really underperforming as a manager to Kirk Gibson, who seems like one of the better managers in baseball, just purely as a baseball guy. I mean, you know, you talk about some of these guys who can really manage the staffs incredibly well, and we'll see if Gibson's able to do that, but he certainly has the respect of his players. He has these guys fighting hard and that's enough to win you a lot of games um, especially in a division that's as up for grabs as the NL West. Um, I agree also that they've really improved a lot as far as their uh, team building strategy as a whole whereas in years past they'd have so many young guys so many boomer bust guys and you wind up with it and you know maybe Upton was having a big year and was an all-star but you'd have a ton of guys who were supposed to either be great or terrible and they were kind of all underperforming whereas this year as you mentioned they added a lot of veteran guys a lot of great presences really solid guys and they just let those guys stay the course be nice and even and then they still have Upton these guys who could be spectacular, or they might have some down weeks. And that's really given them stability to really continue to fight. And, you know, it kind of keeps the entire team, keeps their chin up because they're not having everyone struggle. And as you mentioned, some big acquisitions, you know, acquiring some big-time clutch guys, um, Xavier Nady and Juan Miranda, certainly both with some clutch, um, with some clutchness in their genes. Xavier Nady, obviously known as uh, the untire, thanks to our folks at ESPN. Um, because they were sick of hearing the X-themed um, nicknames for him, the untire due to his spectacular ability to break up tie ball games with big hits, and Juan Miranda, kind of known for his superpowers in New York, where he'd arbitrarily get games for the Yankees, just being the guy they happened to have as the last guy on their bench. He'd have a terrible game, and then all of a sudden he'd come up with the game on the line and get the big hit. Um, so those combination of solid players to stay the course, big-time managing, and some clutch hits, that's how you win ball games in the major leagues. Yeah, I think two bold predictions I have. If the Diamondbacks make the playoffs and win that division, Kevin Towers, executive of the year, and Kurt Gibson, easily manager of the year. Easily, because, or possibly Manny Acton in Cleveland, because Cleveland has turned itself around. But Kevin Towers has really, you saw it when he was with San Diego. He turned that team, he pretty much made that team that was so surprising last year with that great bullpen. And now, all of a sudden, this Dimex team, great bullpen. David Hernandez, who was acquired in that trade for Mark Reynolds, has really turned into one of the best setup men in baseball. About 21 appearances, 1.89 ERA. And look at J.J. Putz, who started out phenomenally as a closer. Took six, had broke a franchise record by going 16 consecutive unblown saves before finally blowing a save, and they still won that game. And then also, looking at the rest of that bullpen, Joe Patterson, acquired from the Giants, Great lefty specialist, and uh, you've seen guys who were who were part of this bad bullpen starting to mature now because you got these veteran presences. You look at Esmond Vasquez, who last year was really just up and down. He had the infamous balk off against the Dodgers, and also Juan Gutierrez, who led the league in home runs given up for relief pitchers, has really stepped up this year. 
and you've seen this team start to look like a competitive team and that they are actually fighting to win ball games. And they're really just an exciting team to watch. We're easily one of the best teams in May. Let's take a break. I'm Fabian. And I'm Jason. Keep it right here. You're listening to Sports. Speaking of Sports, I'm Voice America Kids. out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. The Terrence Rogers Show will take the world by storm. The topics are sometimes newsworthy, sometimes personal, as we explore fashion, entertainment, art, and more. Host Terrence Rogers has seen a lot of life experience in his few years of life. It's this experience that allows him to bring a fresh perspective to the table, and he holds nothing back. Tune in to The Terrence Rogers Show every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Kids channel. You'll laugh, cry, and most importantly, this show will reach out and touch your life. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. What is Take Two? Take two crazy hosts, put them in front of two microphones, and use your two ears to enjoy the fun. Times two. Take Two. We'll go back, way back to the favorite TV shows of our childhood. Your parents' childhood. Um, no. Uh, try again, Chris. Take two. We'll take you back to the favorite TV shows of our generation, past and present, and apply them to what's going on in our own lives. Trust us, it'll be a blast. Tune in to Take Two every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Kids channel. There is so much going on in the tech field. The Technology Show is here to sort it all out so that you know exactly what you need to get and what you should avoid. In this age of cell phones and text messaging and new discoveries every single day, you need to be informed. We'll bring you previews of new products, technology news, and help you make the right decision when you are out there buying that new MP3 player, cell phone, or mobile device. Don't do a thing until you've tuned in to The Technology Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Kids. What are some of the issues that kids face every day? You'll find out when you tune into the appropriately named Today's Kids. Your hosts are here to open the doors to a forum of all kinds of issues. Nothing is off the table here. And because it's on the Voice America Kids channel, you know you're getting a kid's perspective. Tune in every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for Today's Kids. Your hosts will lead this forum of engaging conversation on Voice America Kids. Want to know what's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network host? How about what's new with our network? Make sure you check out the iRadio blog, a look at what's hot at Voice America and beyond. Visit www.iradioblog.com today. Get the inside scoop on every channel on our network, including breaking news, featured guests, blog posts from our hosts, and much more. Make sure you sign up for our newsletter for even more inside action. Visit iradioblog.com today and stay connected. You're tuned in to Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids. Now, back into the action. Thank you, and welcome back to the program, Speaking of Sports on Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jason. I'm Fabian. 
And right now we're going to be getting to our Speaking of Sports, uh, Sports and States segment. Uh, we're, going, we're going to be covering Arkansas for this week. Um, as you guys may or may not know, our uh, Sports and States or States and Sports, depending on which way you like to say it segment, uh, we cover and honor each state's sports history um, going one state at a time. So we've been doing this alphabetically um, and have touched on so far we've uh, hit um, Alabama, Alaska, and Arizona. Uh, now we're getting to Arkansas. Going back to the south after our trip up north with Alaska, um, to a very interesting state athletically. Um, certainly not the storied football program like at Alabama, but University of Arkansas, a big-time sports programs there, um, and a lot of great athletes coming out of the south, coming out of Arkansas. Um, we sure would like to remind you that if you'd like to email the show, be sure to send it to voiceamericakids at yahoo.com. Make sure you mention my name, Jason. Or my name, Fabian. And mention the name of our show, Speaking of Sports. Um, tell us something or ask questions that we can mention or answer on the air. Um, so, Fabian, we've taken our trip down to Arkansas here on Speaking of Sports. Uh, what do you like Arkansas sports history? It's certainly an interesting one. Lots of athletes, lots of sports, and a big-time football program at the University of Arkansas. Uh, what interests you the most down in Arkansas? Well, Arkansas is known for its good sports, but thing I think might be underappreciated is the University of Arkansas's baseball team. It's always been pretty competitive. And it's one of those teams that you always look out for in the College World Series that might sneak up and pick up a couple of good wins. And there's been a couple of good baseball players at the University of Arkansas as well as the state of Arkansas. Probably the most notable baseball player, at least recently, to come from Arkansas that still lives in the Arkansas area is Cliff Lee. Uh, exactly. A lot of people, I've noticed there is uh, a lot of mistakenly people seem to think of Cliff Lee as a California guy inherently um, because he's so laid back, it seems, that people just insist. Um, but no, Quiffley, Arkansas product, absolutely loves it down there. Definitely identifies with the state. And one of the filthiest pitchers we've seen in a long time in baseball, um, that spiked curveball, the knuckle curve, the spike curve, whatever you'd like to call it, is as good of a pitch as I've seen, certainly. Uh, and a pitch that I think a lot of young lefty pitchers have really tried to emulate since Lee has started seeing this massive amount of success. Um, and that's something, you know, these unique pitching styles, this is what you see when you kind of go around the country, is you can kind of see, um, researching these things, the origins of some of these things, you see the spike curve coming out with Cliff Lee, uh, kind of revolutionizing the pitch. Um, and that we've seen knuckle curves in the past, you know, Mike Mussina is probably the most well-known knuckle curve guy recently before Lee, um, but that spike curve is just a different animal, and that was really brought to the majors, brought to the forefront at least, by Cliff Lee, an Arkansas native. Yeah, and also we've seen that and now many young players, such as Ian Kennedy of the Dimebacks, have tried and somewhat been successful that knuckle curve. And also you see lots of great play great football players, like you mentioned, like one of the great products of just recently being Darren McFadden, who is really, after being drafted by the Raiders, has made started to make a name for himself as one of the premier elite running backs in the NFL. Yeah, watch out for him because he's physical. He can get those tough yards. But also, you got to watch out for the big run. Exactly. And that's kind of the, um, that's really the mentality that's kind of known for um, with these Arkansas running backs, these history of these players, is they have this real toughness to them, you know, a chip on their shoulder. That's what all of these running backs really go for. Um, but boy, they make their players explosive down there as well. Um, Arkansas, of course, having the two first round running backs drafted that year. Um, and both guys really big time playmakers. And you have McFadden, who is even over 
able to overcome the fact it was an early draft pick to the Raiders, which seems to end a lot of players' careers simply going to that team, has really helped in turning around that franchise and what we saw as a very successful team last year. Um, through, as you mentioned, not so much the big play potential that the Raiders may have drafted him for, but through that toughness and that grinded out ability. That's what really sets him apart from, say, I don't know, Darius Hayward Bay, who's a guy who the Raiders also drafted, who only has that home run hitting. Obviously, at a wide receiver position, it's a bit different, but McFadden really an every-down type of player, too. Yeah, and also Arkansas has really been, always been a solid college. University of Arkansas has always been a solid college sports team. They have lots of solid teams. Not really sticking out in any sports. Maybe you can mention Arkansas as of late in football, but still... Always very solid, very consistent guy. You know what you're going to get out of them. And same thing also, they have a minor league team. I wouldn't be surprised if many league, if they weren't for so many leagues struggling with debt and also what I need to talk about, maybe contraction. Arkansas might be on one of those lists, even though it is considered a small market. It does have a very dedicated fan base. Maybe there could be a professional team there soon. Uh, definitely. As you mentioned, it's really the economy that I think has really prevented any recent surges for Arkansas to get a pro team. Um, a lot of te- leagues, as you mentioned, talking about contraction or maybe just you know sticking another team in L.A., just moving a team to there for more big market power. It's kind of hurt their chances of getting a uh, sport, pro sports team in the immediate future. But the, as you mentioned, they have absolute diehard fans. They love their University of Arkansas. Um, and you mentioned they're a team that doesn't really jump out in a lot of leagues. And what I'd like to mention in regards to at least Arkansas football, and it really affects other sports as well, is that they play in the SEC. Um, University of Arkansas, they have some teams who some years could roll through the Pac-10, could roll through some divisions, but the SEC, or conferences, but the SEC is pretty much always a huge-time conference, and that prevents some of these Arkansas teams from maybe doing as spectacularly as they normally would um, until it comes around to bowl time, of course, when they show their true colors, um, their true potential. Yeah, of course, Arkansas having a great run this last season and almost coming close. They came close to winning their bowl game, but, of course, lost to Ohio State. Ryan Mallett was a great product of that Arkansas team, although afterwards his draft status kind of dropped. But still, he was a great member of that team. Early on, was really expected to be a front runner for to be one of the top draft picks, maybe the first quarterback taken in this past year's draft, and really has all the physical characteristics you want in your quarterback. Uh, right. Mallett's certainly a big-time prospect. You can see what made him such a successful college player. And it's really not a knock on Mallett that he fell in the draft um, in that he simply he didn't quite have all the tools developed. Um, and he wound up in a great situation going to New England. Um, he's got a chance to develop those tools with one of the best coaches, Bill Belichick, and sitting behind one of the best quarterbacks of all time, Tom Brady. Um, he's got a good chance to develop those tools. He has the huge-time arm strength. You can't teach that. And maybe they can teach him, you know, Mallet, he's pretty much completely immobile. He's statuesque back there. Tom Brady brings that same problem to the table, and he's been able to have an incredibly successful career despite that lack of mobility, even in the pocket. Um, so Mallet could learn to clean up his footwork, get a bit more accurate. Um, they're intangible questions, um, which could be concerning, but you know we haven't really seen anything to really prove that. And you know Mallet could wind up perhaps being the next franchise quarterback of the New England Patriots, and then I doubt people would talk too much about him not being the first pick in the draft. Yeah, it'll be probably more questions of why he was taken so late. And why didn't they take him earlier? And probably one of them might be he could turn to one of the bigger base bargains in NFL draft history or 
luckily, since they took them late enough, it won't be considered as a bust. Uh, exactly. And, you know, we've seen a lot of big-time prospects from around Arkansas, um, not just in football. Um, but let's go back to baseball for a bit. You mentioned Cliff Lee earlier, um, but there's some other big-time players to come out of Arkansas as well in the field of baseball. Yeah, one of those being Dizzy Dean, who is one of the great pitchers of the Gas House gang for the St. Louis Cardinals in the 30s. And, of course, another St. Louis Cardinal being Lou Brock, who's been, who is one of the greatest base stealers of all time. Exactly, and the point of this has been, of course, that they've been able to produce throughout the various areas of baseball, um, from a modern guy, Cliff Lee, going back to Brock, and even going back before that, as you've mentioned. Um, Lou Brock, not just known for his base stealing, but also a prolific hitter, um, one of the big-time contact hitters in the MLB, uh, in the history of Major League Baseball, and really a guy, um, kind of the prototypical leadoff hitter. You look at the guys who are these days, you know, made leadoff hitters, it's kind of just trying to recreate Lou Brock to get that guy who can get on base frequently and then do damage to the pitcher, not just with his bat, but with his legs. Yeah, as the old baseball saying goes, speed never goes into a slump. And that's what many players, many general managers are looking for, a guy who doesn't necessarily have to be swinging the bat well. They can, but they don't have to have that to get on base and make an impact in the game, either with its whether glove or when they get on base, stealing bases and using their speed to help impact the game and try to help manufacture runs, which is what some teams have to rely on. Exactly, and what we seem to have seen reoccurring um, as we go through these Arkansas players is they all seem to bring multiple things to the uh, to the playing field out with them. So as you mentioned, Darren McFadden. At one, he's a home run hitting type back. He can go for a massive run with his great speed. But at the same time, he's not a guy who you need to only put in on those home run situations. He's a guy who can really be in every town starting running back in the NFL. Uh, Cliff Lee, as we mentioned, has the filthy stuff, the big-time spike curveball, um, but might be even more well-known for his lack of walks. He's a guy with incredible control. And that multifaceted nature, that kind of dynamic nature that we've seen in Arkansas, even going back, as you mentioned, to University of Arkansas, which is a team, which is a school where you might look at it and say they don't really have a standout sports program. But you could also look at it and mention how good their football and baseball team consistently are, and their ability to consistently compete in multiple sports. And that seems to be what these Arkansas players kind of bring out with them as well is multiple aspects. Yeah, and also you notice for Arkansas, lots of states deep in the south, that is they go out to they go on the playing field, but they have a chip on their shoulder, shoulder, and honestly. I feel that mostly, most teams from Arkansas, I notice that have really just competitive. Like I mentioned before, the Max, they don't give up. They just work hard, and they put their work in. They're guys who bring their lunch pail to work every day, just work hard, and try to do their best to win the games. And that's what you notice. That's why sometimes some major league teams try to push that minor league baseball team in Arkansas or down the south where they work hard and that way they get that works instilled in them so that way when they come to the big leagues they're able to incorporate that exactly and the other thing seems to be you ca- you have a lot of these guys who combine that you know hard working effort um, with a lot of raw talent and we see the great results there is you have these guys who they might not come up with the most refined skill set unlike we can look at Ryan Mallett or even some guys who have seen success 
Um, Cliff Lee certainly had a long path to his dominance, had, having a lot of issues early with his control. And what we see is they take this hard-working effort and this um, great athleticism, this natural ability, and they're able to combine it, and that's what results in the development of these other skills. And that's why a lot of people, myself included, think Ryan Mallett could wind up being a huge steal, as you mentioned. Is They question his intangibles, but this is a guy who seems like he has a big-time work ethic. He could really develop his footwork and his accuracy into becoming a great quarterback to combine it with that natural throwing strength. Yeah, and Ryan Mallett really does have potential to be one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But also, he has the potential to be a bust, go through all that. But still, Ryan Mallett and lots of guys from these Arkansas football teams you see really go on to have successful NFL careers, not necessarily as a starting or a superstar, but guys who just work hard and make and fight their way to the starting laps and really just use their hard work to help make a name for themselves around the NFL. Exactly. Multi-sports, um, multi-sports coming out of there, baseball and football, both in the collegiate program, as you mentioned, the university, and as you mentioned, guys fighting their way through in the NFL and in Major League Baseball. Um, so obviously Arkansas, as we've noticed in a lot of these southern, um, in Alabama as well, it's, it's baseball and football is really what they love down there. And they sure love their sports a lot. Big time fan base, as we mentioned. I think that might be some of what drives these players, some of what gives them almost that chip on their shoulder, that extra motivation, is they've become so used to the bright lights, to the big-time fan base, that they almost don't want to let down their fans because they've had them throughout high school even. Yeah, and we've seen lots of big players coming down from the South, even from Texas, as we'll mention later on. Especially on the Dimebacks, you see a couple of Texans there, native Texans there that are really some of the harder-working Diamondbacks. Like you see Chris Young out of Houston, Texas. He was down and out, I think, two years ago. He was sent down to some minor leagues, struggling with his hitting, but he kept working and working and working. He was an all-star last year. And Ryan Roberts, otherwise known as Tatman, has pretty much single-handedly fought his way onto that major league roster and into that starting lineup. Exactly, and that's what we see throughout these players um, from Arkansas, from these other southern states, is that they're fighters. And that's what we've noticed when we look at a guy like Darren McFadden, who people were looking to call a bust after one year in the league. Um, and a lot of guys that might get to them mentally, it might stint that development that they're looking for. Um, but as we notice in Darren McFadden, is it didn't whatsoever. He was able to keep fighting, keep developing as a player, and really add an every-down aspect to his explosive gameplay that he already had. Um, so exactly, I think as you mentioned, it's, it's somewhat um, really spread throughout the entire South um, due to that chip on their shoulder that these guys carry and due to being used to playing for all these fans. Um, but in Arkansas especially, we have a lot of guys who are really willing to fight to develop those, uh, those more refined skills that they might not inherently have. Yes, if you'd like to email the show, send it to voiceamericakids at yahoo.com make sure you mention my name fabian or my name jason and mention the name of our show which is speaking of sports tell us something or ask us questions that we can mention or possibly answer on the air uh exactly so i think that's gonna wrap it up for us so thanks for joining us listen to the show weekly on voiceamericakids.com as we already mentioned contact us at voiceamericakids at yahoo.com mention one of our names that's jason or fabian and our show speaking of sports we'll answer any response now, I'm Jason. I'm Fabian. Keep it right here. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Thanks again for listening to Speaking of Sports on the Voice America Kids channel. 
Make sure you come on back next week for another great show. This is VoiceAmericaKids.com. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today.